Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Gigabit Nation, broadband talk radio. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and I want to thank everyone in the audience for taking time to be with us today. Our mission, as always, is to provide information to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations get faster, better broadband everywhere it needs to be in America. Now, I know a lot of us have been following the uh, developments with Tropical Storm Sandy and, and the devastation that it's caused. Um, an article that caught my mind sort of rekindled my interest in a, in a subject that I feel needs to get more attention, which is um, how broadband, together with uh, what's referred to as smart grid technology, uh, will help communities better prepare and also recover faster from disasters such as this. Uh, it was interesting to note that, you know, there's the Power outages have now become the norm, what's accepted when there's a major natural disaster. And really, a lot of the work is, you know, getting that stuff back online quickly. And so, you know, what can broadband's role be in uh, this effort to recover, uh, recover electricity um, as quickly as possible where it needs to be? Now, for today's show, we have uh, two guests, uh, both gentlemen who are very, very familiar with uh, smart grid technology, with uh, utility companies, how they work, how they provide services, and so forth. And uh, with the two of them and, and my expertise in broadband, we're going to try to give you a pretty deep dive, not technical, but layperson's deep dive into this topic of smart grid, broadband, and why it matters to folks. Uh, first is Todd Adams, who is a uh, consultant, and he and I have known each other for uh, for quite a bit. And he comes from that space, that uh, electric utility uh, space, and so he has a, a wealth of background from that perspective. And then there's Shay Fabodi, who is with Power to Oh, Shay, what's your name of your company again? Power to Switch. Power to Switch. Yes. Hello. Hello. Hello, Shay, are you with me? I can hear you, yes. Can you hear me? All right, great. We're back here. All right. Um, I'm sorry about that. I got uh, We sort of got connect, disconnected here for a second, but we're back online. Um, yeah. So both gentlemen, welcome to the show, uh, Todd and Shay, and uh, I appreciate you being here today. Let's talk about – well, let's start with – let's have a discussion about what is the smart grid, simply described – and uh, what is its impact on uh, recovering from from natural disasters such as Hurricane Sandy? And Todd, this round we'll we'll start with you, and then then Shay can can fill in some spaces here. Sure. Uh, first of all, Craig, thank you for ha- uh, having me on the show today. So uh, it's a uh, it's a pleasure. And uh, just a simple definition of of smart grid, and we hear the term a lot. But I think you, we want to think of today's electrical infrastructure that means everything that you see, transmission lines, everything that's required to generate electricity and that facilitates you plugging your, your iPad uh, you know, into your wall is sort of the grid. If you think of that as the grid, and when we say this, you know, and the grid is old and, and decades old, and in many cases almost uh, a century old. So what we see today uh, is based on very old technology. The smart grid is sort of an overlay of think of it as digital technology mm-hmm. over it and and kind of many and and technology overlaying that not only on the consumer side but also on the uh, on the utility side or what they make what they call the uh, supply side. 
Mm-hmm. So if you think of it in sort of a high level of that, and, and it's the integration of you know infrastructure and technology, wireless, and everything that helps to better deliver uh, electricity in a more efficient way, manner, and also give it, uh, facilitating giving the customer more more choices. So that's kind of a general uh, description or definition. Mm-hmm. In response, in response to your um, question about Hurricane Sandy, there's been a lot of discussion as to outages and uh, restoration and how quickly a utility can respond. Well, because it's because you have older technology, you're essentially responding in a you know in a decades-old manner, really, um, because nothing has really changed. And the smart grid says, okay, now how can we have technology as an example with smart meters. You know, many many communities now have a digital meter, a smart meter, which has real-time information maybe about um, your home is out. So it proactively may communicate to the utility. So the utility doesn't have to wait on customers to call in an area to say, my power is out. They know They may know before the customer does, and they know in a very granular manner at the household at the household level. So if you think in terms, or they may know um, at the substation level, or at you know at the transformer, or at some sort of infrastructure or piece of equipment. So they know what to troubleshoot, where to go, where to deploy resources, and how to begin to fix it. Today, it, it isn't that simple, and so that's why you you know and so when you and so when the average person is saying why aren't you responding quickly, that's why. And the smart grid is, is over time is will hope to um, you know address some of those uh, issues and really give us what we call a, a more intelligent grid a smart a smarter grid. Mm-hmm. Now, Shay, from your perspective, I mean, I understand you have you know you have the, a similar back or a deep background in, in the smart grid. What is it about the smart grid that consumers, in particular, and also businesses, should know about it? As as we go forward, I mean, are the, I know your site helps people shop and find, uh, you know, best pro- uh, prices for electricity services, but you know, what should be, you know, if I want to be an engaged consumer or an engaged business that's using electricity, which is pretty much every business, what do I need to know about the smart grid, and uh, you know, and are there some steps or actions that I can take to try to get their communities, you know, better? Better service in the alt in the in the long run. Yes, um, so I, I guess at the core, I totally agree with um, the definition Todd gave. Fully clarifies um, what the smart grid is, and at the core of all that is is information. Because when the utility has the information it needs to repair whatever outage is um, currently affecting people, in the case of Sandy. Part of the problem was, and part of the problem for the delays, is just the the lack of information about where things have gone wrong without they have to physically go to these places to fully understand and assess the outage before they start to fix it. Mm -hmm. With the smart grid, consumers don't have to take this action, which was required throughout this um, last um, storm of calling the suppliers, calling the utility to say, my power is out. With the smart grid, the utility will know and be able to start to provide you a bit more clarity on how long they think it will take because they know what's going on. And you as the consumer will be a lot more educated about 
why the lights have gone out if if that's what's happened in your home and it's the information transfer across both the utility and the consumers that is made easier because of the smart grid i think that's the biggest part um, that consumers need to pay attention to you will have a lot more clarity because the the information that comes through i guess the smart meter dashboard that comes into your home will tell you my lights are on or this is how much i'm using and when it goes out the utility will know without you having to bother um that pretty much is is the core underlying benefit of of the grid and when you know because you have a smart meter in your home you can reduce your usage because you see how much it's costing you to use um before you even get your bill which would normally come on a monthly um regularity but you get it real time or near real time and you can adjust your behavior accordingly so um information is the key um currency that the smart grid provides and um we like to think as a as a company and our philosophy is once once people know better they'll do better and mm-hmm. smart meter equipment help you know better so okay now the for this next question we'll start with uh Shay but uh which is the question of broadband now i think people are starting to get the idea of what you know what the smart grid is about uh from my perspective, once you add in broadband, in other words, if you're building, and Chattanooga is probably one of the better examples, Chattanooga, uh, Lafayette, and maybe Jackson, uh, Tennessee, among uh, among others, where the public utility, the public uh, electric utility, built a broadband network, high-speed fiber network. And in addition to providing Internet access to uh, constituents and businesses, I think one of their driving forces was to use that technology to improve the performance of the smart grid infrastructure. Now, I don't know, Shay, you could tell us, but, you know, have, have you seen or are you seeing the examples where more utilities are making that move to use fiber as a way to improve the quality of their uh, grid management. Uh yeah, so well, I I guess the one example I think might be um a good one which is also really recent is less on the utility side it's more from um the broadband service provider and it's the Google Fiber project in Kansas mm-hmm. City. Mm-hmm. Um the the benefit of of being able to get broadband um into certain areas and combine that with smart grid technologies is 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 one of those things that I think hasn't been tapped as much as it should because as you put broadband in the digging you have to do mm-hmm. could could serve both for broadband equipment and for smart grid equipment um they have to a certain extent some infrastructure requirements that are similar and i believe that's the approach they're taking with the project in Kansas City so it's um less from from the utility side it's more from the private side but in conjunction with the government mm-hmm. but yes it 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 just makes it easy instead of digging holes twice you dig once you put in broadband equipment you put in smart grid equipment and the benefits you derive from 
faster information transfer as a result of broadband help you transfer um, information from your smart meter to your utility, which improves the service your utility provides to you. So Kansas City, I think, is a good one. They're working on that right now, so we'll see how it goes. But the benefits cannot be um, overstated, in my opinion. Right, right. So, um, Todd, I think when we first met, we talked a lot about uh, broadband and um, the intersection with uh, smart grid technology. Briefly, what's the what's the value point? Again, why should the average business or the average consumer care whether their utility is doing this or not? Well, um, particularly on on the broadband side, you know, I'll, I'll start on maybe on the consumer side and maybe com consumer access to broadband. Um, if you look at a, a company like Shea's uh, company, um, you know, a company that provides services uh, to the consumer or provides the consumer with choices. So that could be something if you're rolling out smart meters, if you're going to provide people with access to their information uh, over over the Internet, they need to have broadband access. If you're going to provide people with uh, certain smart meter capabilities, you, you know a utility may, and to some degree, rely on the on the customer to actually have broadband access. And I think what you're going to see in the future, you see a lot of utilities have planned, like you know whether they be prepaid programs, demand response programs, or anything that may uh, be dependent upon the internet. Um, of course, just like we see, you know, there's going to be a greater and greater demands for bandwidth um, to really take advantage of some of these uh, of these applications and, and services that the utilities are providing, and to and for access to that information. So for the consumer, you know, it's one thing for it to help a utility from an operational standpoint and have access to fiber. You also have a customer base in many, particularly urban markets. Um, where you may have a lot of people of color and low-income people who tend to be the people who don't have uh, access to the Internet. And then I'll throw in another, uh, another caveat, and that's what utilities, most utilities haven't also really planned for or really are at the infancy, and that's around mobile. Because you do have a greater, uh, a greater penetration of mobile in those respective communities, so uh, apps. So some utilities are now beginning to develop apps or even have contests around developing apps to give people access to this information or to create some sort of um, interest from through so A lot of it is going to be creating interest, and like Shay said, there's behavior modification. And as we see, mobile apps have done a great job in many of the apps in engaging people, keeping people engaged. Um, as you see, Facebook, you know, 50% uh, you know, of their users are now using, uh, using the app mobile. And so social, social media strategies are going to be critical. Um, and so this is going to be evolving. So I kind of look at it from the consumer side, engaging the consumer, creating a value proposition for the consumer, and ensuring that you meet the consumer where the consumer is. If they don't have Internet access, you're going to have to start delivering uh, mobile, mobile uh, capability as well. So, you know, it's kind of a holistic approach going forward. But if you look at a lot of, you know, outside of the utility industry, you see a lot of industries that have gotten that. Print media is realizing that they have to display content and create value uh, with digital content, not just print. So you're going to see utilities are a little uh, behind the, the curve in that, but as, they, as, as the need to engage them, uh, engage the customer, becomes more apparent, you'll see, you'll see more of that in the future. Mm -hmm. 
That's interesting. I uh, hadn't thought about the the role that um, that mobile technology would would bring to the to the picture. Uh, Shay, what's your take on on mobile technology and and in terms of you know how does it change or enhance the uh, the, the public's interaction with their utility companies? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great point, Todd made. It's it's one of those areas where utilities will see the most penetration in terms of engaging with um uh minority communities. So uh, there's this stat we we read a few weeks ago about how I think it's about close to 70 something percent of Hispanics access access the internet on their phones. Mhm. That in itself just opens that segment of the market up to utilities who have so far struggled to engage them with things like um energy efficiency and there's a there's a triple um benefit of opportunity to the end consumer here so I'll use a, a use case to describe my point uh, a hispanic consumer who accesses the internet over his phone the utility in engaging them with um home energy efficiency products can come into that home, provide them um, both broadband, smart grid, smart meter equipment, and insulate their homes. Those three things together provide huge benefits, and then they continue to communicate with those consumers through the mobile phone they've provided. Oh, sorry, the the mobile access they've pro- provided through the service um, installations they've done in the home. So it it helps them tap into segments of the market that right now struggle to engage the utility because, one, they're not sure what the benefits are for them. Um, But if you can package it as as one of several things that we're doing to improve your life, I think the message will be better received um, across the board. So it's it will be huge. Mobile will be huge, especially as we start to get into engaging a lot more with a generation that have been using mobile phones from from a tender age. So that that I think great point, Todd. It's fascinating to see how this will turn out. So, mm-hmm. so now um, taking this uh, taking up this mobile. Uh, technology theme. I have this vision that it's possible if you've got, um, you know, you've made your smart grid smarter in essence, uh, you've incorporated broadband technology, which other folks are, you know, folks in the community are adopting, that you have the ability to not only manage your technology more effectively, your grid more effectively, but you also have the ability to communicate to people and, in essence, help the emergency response process by, you know, sending out alerts, sending out directions, sending out maps, you know, because you've got the grid tracking where there's power, where there's not. You've got broadband and its ability to communicate as broadband communicates. Can we see possibly a change of, you know, how we do uh, emergency response? And we'll start with Todd on this one. Yeah, and, and Craig, that's that's an excellent point. And of course, Hurricane Sandy has really highlighted um, the need for that. And ironically, uh, 
I I've have, been, have just been asked to help with the emergency operating procedures for uh, one of my electric utility clients and developing those, and this, and this is in, a, um, in the Gulf Coast, re Gulf Coast region, of course, where hurricanes are, are common and, and frequent. So this is very, very relevant. So what you're talking about is from a utility standpoint, it really you know, needs to be part of their broader um, you know, emergency operating plan and emergency planning, which we've seen after Katrina and Sandy and some other, you know, 9-11 or whatever the case may be, we have seen how critical it is to engage first responders, how critical it is to have sort of a collaborative approach. And then the other component would be, if you notice, and what Shay also said, it's about information, having access to information, but it's also on both sides. So when the, the customer having access to the information and the utility communicating in a proactive kind of a manner. And so when you're proactive, so when you're telling someone, we will be there in, in two hours, or we, we know what the problem is, and this is our anticipated time of arrival, or this is where we are. People, if you notice, a lot of times people are emotional because they don't know and they are frantic. And when you do that and you provide people with information, it calms the situation as well. So, and, and it also, that also will aid in business continuity knowing that if you can restore power, if you can bring calm to a community, it also becomes part of, you know, you have looting and all of these things. If you know, if the police know, um, you know, information about, you know, the utilities, about restoration, they can also begin to plan, you know, around the criminal element. So there's so many things around this that is more than just turning the lights back on or getting your infrastructure back up and running and creating really it's about public safety and it's uh, also about emergency planning and part of really ties into the whole um, you know sort of uh, homeland security kind of FEMA theme uh, as, as well if a utility is really planning for this and when we think about it and if climate change is real and we're going to anticipate more of this um, it's only imperative that we that we you know that utilities begin to undertake real substantive measures to actually plan for emergencies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, just to, yeah, just to add a, 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 a another critical point to just top off on what Todd just said. So part of the benefits the utility will get from um, installation of smart grid and wide adoption is their ability to predict parts of the grid that will need repair before it happens. So mm -hmm. some parts of the distribution network might have some issues. Just being able to communicate that well in advance to the consumers and also start to prepare on the utility side to repair and maintain those things will further reduce the possible outages that happen outside of when it's a disaster. But it just enhances the relationship because they can communicate in advance, engage before they need to turn your lights off to fix things, and bring it back on promptly with you fully informed throughout the process. Because sometimes the lights just go out, not because um, a storm comes in, but there are some things that go wrong. But once you know, the comfort level is there as a consumer that this is temporary, it will be fixed, and that just eases the the period when that issue is being dealt with. So mm -hmm. now I think Todd, you and I in the past have talked about this one issue which is 
Um, there seems to be a reluctance by uh, utility companies to buy into the new technology. And since Sandy, I've even seen two or three articles in major publications talking about, you know, there's this old school thinking, this old school philosophy that drives the traditional utilities and, and the private utilities, because it seems like the public utilities were some of the first utilities to get their communities back online post-Sandy. But you seem to have a, a reluctance or a foot dragging. Number one, again, you know, in, in a brief sense, you know, is that true, does it seem? And, and if so, how do we as, you know, citizens and local businesses and so forth, how do we turn that around? Yes, well, you know, that's, and, that's, and that's a great question, Craig. Um, you know, you, you're right. You have investor-owned utilities and you have municipal utilities. Of course, investor-owned utilities are just what they are. They traded over the stock market, and they have a responsibility to, to their, share, their shareholders. Um, there, there are arguments that, you know, many utilities don't do what they need to do because of the, um, the need for all of the capital investment and the adverse impact that it may have on, on the bottom line in the short term, hence the stock price. Well, you know, but what I think what you're saying, you know, what you are saying, the good news is if you look at the stimulus program, uh, Obama's uh, stimulus program for smart grid, you had utilities um, awarded up to $200 million for projects for smart grid, but they were for various, some of them were for infrastructure, some of them were for consumer engagement, some of them were for smart metering, and so that we can learn a lot. So in all fairness as well to utilities, um, you're asking a utility to change its, transform their business models, um, not a little bit, but radically, um, you know, in a very short period of time. And these are really need to be long-term, planned, strategic initiatives that will require. And then, there's, and then you also have regulatory concerns and uh, consumer concerns, and you have different stakeholders. So you're not going to, you know, you don't turn a Mack truck, you know, on, on a dime and, so, you know, kind of uh, philosophy. So, you know, but there are di different utilities. Some are further ahead than others, um, and some have made the investment, and some are, have completed millions of, of smart meters have been deployed already, and they've already uh, invested in, in, in infrastructure, and some of them, you know, have been helped with stimulus funding, and some have not. And so part of that, I think, and then part of that is also geographical in some sense, meaning that you had a state like California, which where there were some mandates, um, around uh, smart meter deployments, and then California also tends to be a very progressive state when it comes to matters of energy. So part of it is also geographically. Um, part of it is, is you're right. Some of it is the old school philosophy. Utilities are typically led by um, older baby boomer types who are, you know, kind of uh, used to running things a certain way. But then, you know, but there is change. I do see the change. And I've been engaged in the industry for quite some time, and so that is, you know, and I've been engaged with some clients who are really doing some, some innovative things, progressive things, deployed smart meters, and are really adding value to customers. Mm -hmm. Now, Shay, you know, you do a lot of, you know, work as far as educating consumers, um, and I would make the argument that the more educated consumers are, the more they're going to engage in this task of getting their utilities to, to, to move and shift directions to do the long-term planning and so forth. Do you have any thoughts on how, you, how a community might engage its citizens, so in essence it's part education, but then it's also you know, engaging them for the advocacy part 
of getting you know their utilities to see the light that so many other utilities have that are moving more aggressively toward um, you know uh, upgrading and enhancing their technologies. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great point, Craig. Um, I think on on the line the the ability to get a group of people together to push for a shared cause is is clarity of the benefits between the group. So if you get a thousand people together to who fully understand how the smart grid will benefit their community, they will work towards making sure whoever needs to make those changes, be it the utility or their municipality or the city or the government, they will come together to change how things are to to ensure, yes, we want smart meters in our homes. They will work together to get that. The, the problem right now is there are no, apart from the cities that have started to do this, um, like in Colorado, as far as I can tell, and um, California, as Todd mentioned, the the people don't fully understand the benefits they'll get from it. And the message that you hear for the most part, is that the only person that benefits from the smart grid is the utility. That just prevents people from coming together because they don't they don't see the shared benefit. Um, and it, it's all about educating them. As long as um, people start to get a bit more information that confirms to them that yes, this will enable your power provider to to keep your lights on, they will be able to, this isn't them trying to spy on you, um, this isn't going to cause x-ray um, damage to your children or something. All these, a lot of misinformation goes out and unfortunately the misinformation tends to spread more than the correct data. And so until we until we start to Propagate like you're doing on your show right now, just the information that um, in, educates people enough that they see the benefits and then can find like-minded people within their communities to then go out and request these things. Um, I think there's a city somewhere down in Austin that they the the citizens or the the residents of of the city have all come together. Unfortunately, the name um, fails me now. Where they engaged with um, electric car providers. They got solar panel providers. They got the city to accept that this like um, four or five block radius would be working hard to get everything um, focused on sustainability. And they also installed smart meters. And it's, it's going great for them because a group of people came together, found an organization that could help them not necessarily lobby, but get to the right people to make the change they needed to see. And they all have smart meters now. They're being used as a test case. And that's the power of the consumer when, when they're educated. So I think a big part of, of this whole ecosystem that the utilities need to start to pay a lot more attention to is educating the consumers so that they also start to push because it's it's a huge grid that needs a full overhaul and to a certain extent the government will have to pay play a part in this 
because um, the utilities of old used to be public goods. I think they're still public good. The government will provide you electricity. Now um, the private sector is involved. It cannot wholly exist without the government involved. And I think um, once people start to understand and push and engage the government, the utilities will also start to see reason where they haven't to provide this to their to their consumers. So now you know actually that brings up an interesting point and, and even the point that was brought up by one of the uh guests in our chat room, which is you know, there was a lot of money spent via the stimulus program for utilities. Now the broadband part of the, the stimulus spending seem to have gotten a lot of press. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly, it's pretty much all out there on a regular basis. Number one, are we seeing a lot of status reports on what has gone on with that money that went to uh, utilities? And does the fact that there were a bunch of projects funded by the federal government, uh, that there are enough of them out there that we almost owe it to ourselves to get on not get on their case exactly, but at least start to do some sort of lobbying to say, hey, are we making progress? Are we moving ahead? And we'll start with Todd on, on this one and then come back to Shake. I want both of you to, you know, get your thoughts on the you know, what's been money that's been spent so far on utilities and what that brought us. And and that's an and that's an excellent qu- uh, question. Uh, you know, one of the things uh, first to look at, you mentioned broadband. If you look at broadband penetration, you can easily easily measure that in terms of the number of people that have access. Um, you can measure that in terms of increased bandwidth and sort of an increased presence of, of broadband and you know access either by institutions or by people. And that's very measurable. Now you know, and that's sort of that uh, a success you know a success. Whereas with smart grid. Once you deploy a technology or once you deploy smart meters, as an example, you know, you have really, that's really just the beginning. It, it, Shea was, was uh, really on point when he said that, you know, really this, the, the grid needs an overhaul. So you're really talking about overhauling something that's literally a century old and then catching so that we can now you know, sort of baseline and be where we should be and then enable a lot of services and products. And and if you look at a lot of these initiatives for for stimulus, they may have been associated with a pilot. There may be some sort of key performance indicators and metrics to give some quick success. But the reality is, you know, maybe five years. I've seen, you know, 10-year roadmaps. Some of the utilities have 15-year roadmaps. Um, You know, yes, they are communicating uh, status updates to uh, to to the government, to the Department of Energy. And you know, of course, which they should be, uh, you know, to in, on behalf of citizens. And then, then you have a cultural component to that as well. And that we you touched on that a little bit. Utilities are not animals that sort of tout what they do. They're not retail organizations. They don't create value propositions, or they haven't, uh, you know, in the past. So it's it hasn't been so corporate communication has really been around. Um, okay, we've got you know some some disaster plan you know either being very reactive or crisis management or crisis communications and and if you look at a lot of utilities that's what they have historically done so you're talking culturally as well a lot of things that need to be done in order to create, sort of tout what you're doing create the awareness create the education so it works on 
on, on, on both sides. It's very needed, but at the same time, utilities also have to change from within uh, culturally to adjust to the new landscape. And Shay, what's your take? Yeah, yeah, same. I totally agree with Todd on, on the need for the utilities to start to share a bit more of that information. Um, Craig, you mentioned Chattanooga um, earlier, and they actually had, a, I think it was sometime in October, a report out that said they reduced outage length by about 55% because mm -hmm. the rollout of smart meters enabled them to better understand where things were going wrong and go go out and fix it quicker. No one heard that. What everyone heard earlier was, oh, people are getting, these utilities are getting money from the government, they're not doing anything. That sort of data should be shared as it happens so that everyone um, gets a sense for, yes, there will be some data that will prove it might not be working as well as it should, but there should be a balance of information that clarifies what's going on. And utilities aren't the best at um, public relations management, unfortunately. So um, all we hear, when we hear anything, are the bad things um, or the lack of of, um, of proper spending habits or whatever it is. I, um, that 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 needs to change. There should be a, a lot more communication with with the market with consumers on the benefits they might have derived um, and even where they haven't derived benefits, just share what might have gone wrong so that with any further spend, there's um, a roadmap that prevents you from from making the same mistakes again. And um, it's it's going to be a long um, process. It will, be, it will take some time. The, I think I still heard this yesterday and it goes around a fair bit, that if Thomas Edison were to come back into a power station in the U.S. right now, it would make sense to him. If Alexander Graham Bell were to pick up an iPhone, he would not have a clue what to do with it. <laughs> and so that is the problem the utility sector is dealing with and um, just it can't be done overnight, so. Mm -hmm. So I'm always, you know, looking for ways, you know, we've talked about uh, educating consumers because an educated consumer can be a responsible um, advocate. Um, in the, on the broadband side, you know, there are, if, if, you know, for the people who followed my show for a while, you know, there are different ways to going about it. You can create a co-op. You can create a uh, non-profit organization. You can create public-private partnerships to move broadband forward. You do a needs assessment and you get a feel for, you know, who needs broadband, who will ben benefit by it, who will pay for it. You know, so there, there are fairly clear path, paths that are set up, in, in my opinion, and obviously I'm kind of biased, I guess, because I spend more time on this side, but is there a comparable or are there comparable paths forward for where constituents can get engaged beyond the education uh, to, to try to move, uh, move us in the direction of, you know, getting smart grids overhauled and then also getting them integrated with broadband to, you know, to do more things, to achieve more things. Either one no, of you. Todd, you can go. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> sure. And 
And to answer that question, you talked about, you gave the example of broadband. I kind of look at it like, like this, Craig. If you think about broadband as well, it's really not about broadband connectivity or access that really interests a person. It's really about what you can do. So if a person is, is sick and they're able to have maybe some health care content delivered to them, if, you know, if someone needs a tutor and they can access an online tutor, you get the idea, or maybe an elderly person may not be interested in technology until they realize that, oh, I can see my grandchildren, you know, uh, videos of my grandchildren, and then they become interested. And these are real examples. It's the same thing utilities are going to have to do. So if you look with, with a consumer, if a consumer understands that it's really not about smart grid, it's about the fact that I can save money. It's about the fact that I can not only save money, but I can be kind to the environment. You know, then you start to, uh, to uh, behavior modification. Now, that example of saving money, um, you know, that really resonates more so with, as an example, low-income people. That doesn't resonate more as much, and these are consumer studies that have shown this, but what does resonate with higher-income, more educated uh, consumers would be being green, being so, you know, utilities are offering choices. Would you like your, 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 your electricity to come from renewable sources? Or maybe just engaging your behavior by using, you know, compact fluorescent bulbs, you know, or, you know, the new, you know, energy efficient bulbs will translate into this energy savings. So you can be very clear and very measurable so a person understands in real terms, as an example, by having a smart meter, you know, this, how much, this is how much this contributes to my using less electricity and a reduction in carbon pollutants by X number of metric tons. Uh, and, then the, and then the other thing is, is people like to keep up with the Joneses. And so <laughs> the other thing is, it's been proven in consumer studies that people like to be compared with uh, know how they're doing relative to their neighbors. So if you know where you live, you may, if you look and say, well, here's where you are. And here is your consumption patterns, but here's what your what your neighbors are doing collectively. If you're way if you're way ahead of that, it's been proven that then you feel irresponsible on some level, you know. So it's really about. But again, as Shay indicated, you can't do that unless you have the information. And when you have the information that is very measurable, that is very precise, and that and then it becomes actionable because then you can see a direct correlation between your actions. Um, you know, maybe your pocketbook, also your impact on the on the environment, and so and and then and then to lastly, it's really in terms of there is no cookie cutter approach necessarily because I I know people who are um, environmental justice advocates who engage utilities, I know people who are vendors who provide technology for as an example smart meters, and you know there are government entities who have sustainability uh, managers or directors who engage the public. And all of those are stakeholders in a community um, that can come together and really create, I believe it's, it has to be collaborative and it has to be a multi-stakeholder approach. But we all see that, and typically disasters make people come together. So people understand we're all in the same boat and we, we come together. So, you know, you hate for it to be that way, but... I think the hurricanes and disasters and the 9-11s of the world really, if you think about it, are what brought this to an, uh, our attention, and it's really going to propel it forward, and especially with the uh, now people beginning to take note of climate change. Okay. Shay, you want yeah. to add on to that? 
Yeah, yeah. So um, it's a, Todd made some really good points. I'll just um, throw in that um, one of the things we found um, is that the salience of how your usage of electricity affects your pocketbook is is where the gap exists um, on the lower end of the market anyway uh, for the low low income consumers you most people worry about oh gas prices have gone up by a certain amount and um, on average the US family uses or spends about $1200 on electricity a year and spend about $1,300 on gasoline a year. But we pay a lot more attention to gasoline because it's in our face. We mm-hmm. we see those prices every time, and so we react to it a bit more. And so the approach we're taking is that where is that one point in your engagement with your utility that we can hit you at a regularity to educate you a bit more. It won't be one full fell swoop. It'll be several information provision um, opportunities, which we're finding comes from your electricity bill. It's it's the missed opportunity in this whole education um, um, idea in trying to get people to understand what's going on and take some actions to to impact that. So. The, the the low-income consumer pays an electricity bill monthly. Let's inform and educate them in terms they understand because we can start to get very um, scientific about this, forgetting that these people only really care about how much it costs them. Let's translate their usage into into metrics that matter through a platform that they engage with whether they like it or not, they will get an electricity bill monthly. Mm-hmm. Let's make that interactive and electronic and live very close to their smart meters so that it's salient and clear to them that if I do this thing, it will benefit me in this way. Mm-hmm. If, if it be, it might be dollars, it might be KWH, but we should meet them at their point of um, understanding. And that's that's one of the things we're really focused on, bringing it to their layman understanding of how their actions impact the, the environment or their own pocketbook. So. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a, here's a thought, and, and uh, we'll, I guess we'll let Todd start with this one, but I do want to get both of your uh, opinions. You know, we've talked about driving this, smart grid broadband integration process to come together by pushing on the uh, utility side. How do we get them to change? How do we get them to see the light or at least get enlightened people to talk to them? Um, What if we switched around and tried to use broadband as the lever? In other words, get a community so engaged in broadband and putting a broadband network in place that once they get sold on that, then did use the sort of leap of faith to say, oh, by the way, now that you're using or thinking about broadband for education and economic development, how about you, you know, pursue using that same network to help make the smart grid smarter? Uh, and, and again, starting with you, Todd, do you see that as maybe a, a uh, maybe a more viable option, maybe a faster option, because maybe people will move faster on the broadband and then segue over to smart grid? 
and and that and that could, that could be viable. That is viable if you look at uh, uh, President Obama's national broadband plan, um, you know, which focuses on energy, uh, healthcare, and education. And the whole and the plan essentially says it's a plan for building out our nation's technology infrastructure for providing broadband, with um, you know being inclusive of those uh, industry ver uh, verticals and, and linking those to economic development, and saying that you know going forward these you know energy energy management um, you know going forward will be, be critical and technology and our technology infrastructure for facilitating that will be important. So yes, but that's a thing where it's sort of it's esoteric. A lot of people don't know about Obama's broadband plan per se, but we do have a plan in place that is predicated upon building out infrastructure that's going to facilitate, um, you know, our our energy management needs in in the future. So yes, that is a, that is a viable plan, and you'll you know you'll see it you know in that. And the other component of that is there's also a connection among the verticals, meaning meaning. So you take a health you take a healthcare uh, institution as as an example, which uses a tremendous amount of energy, um, a healthcare system, or you're looking at maybe a major uh, school you know school district or or university where there's tremendous energy needs. So a lot of times you could you know you have colleges as an example that have their own that are developing their own grids for um, you know research purposes. Uh, because maybe they have 50,000 students and they have a lot of people using energy or same thing with health care healthcare, you can think about it so they are essentially many um, almost like many kind of they are many grids and micro grids you know, yes yeah. yes micro yeah, micro grids that you that you have you know going forward so this is this can be um, I think that's the other thing that's going to be uh, critical going forward you won't see uh, utilities sort of working in a vacuum and mm -hmm. you will begin to uh, to see other industry sectors take a lead in managing their energy because energy needs are continue to increase exponentially. We also have population growth. And so with those two factors combined, I think a lot of the, the push is ironically may come from outside of the energy sector to, from customers who are going to demand they either utilities provide them what they need or they'll look for solutions on their own. Mm-hmm. Jay, your thoughts? Yeah, that's um, Todd, Todd pretty much um, covered covered the the most necessary critical parts of getting that because it it is it is a great idea. Just combining there's the we're we're very clear as consumers as businesses we're very clear on the benefits of broadband and if we can um, attach. The goodwill, for lack of a better way to put it, the goodwill people get from knowing they have faster internet speed, which allows them to do business quicker or for families to access um, and communicate with their family members a lot better uh, and easier. And we throw the benefits of being able to um, get a bit more clarity on how your energy um, usage is going, how much it affects, how much it will cost you. Just add all those into what is already a compelling uh, argument for broadband. I think it'll it'll work. And at the microgrid level, it becomes clear. It's uh, we need electricity, we need faster broadband, and we we need just 
utility, water, and all these things that as a small community we can't do without. And we think of them as a whole ecosystem, not just one thing. It's all these things we need within this community to make it a better community. The more we we highlight the connect, connect, connectedness or connectivity of of each utility we rely on as individuals, the more the more willing people will be to adopt these things. I think it's a great point, Craig. Mm-hmm. So we've got about uh, seven minutes or so uh, left in the show. Maybe this would be a good time to get a thought from each of you. Uh, we'll start with Shay this time around. The, there, there's a drive to get a public uh, safety network nationwide, and the FCC is taking comments on that. Should we be trying to encourage communities, utilities, you know, the people we deal with, to comment, to somehow put our input into the FCC fact-finding process that we seem to be in right now? I, I think so. I think so. It's um, part of the benefits of, of being in a democracy is that your your voice is heard. And for an issue as important as that, um, with with our our own personal um, benefits that will come from, or benefits or problems that will come from us not um, engaging in the discussion. Uh, I don't think it benefits anyone to not share the views. But but before people engage or share their views, there should be a personal commitment to finding out as much information about what's going on as possible. I think um, opinions get thrown out and shared when we're just re- repeating someone else's view. I think critical t- thinking should come in before people just go and participate in what is a really important um, process. Mm-hmm. But yes, I, I do think people should participate, but only after confirming what your own view is and sharing it so that um, the end result is something that you're even if you're not comfortable with, you feel that you've you've um, had a part to play in forming the policy around that. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd, your thoughts? Yes, as far as a, a national public safety uh, network, and you know when you really have interoperable communications among you know various jurisdictions and first responders, again you're going to have information and communication that you didn't have before. You know, what you need in any situation is access to power, access to water is critical. And so if you either your ability to restore power uh, or restore uh, uh, water or if it's or if either of those sources are compromised, because they can be compromised either by, um, you know, a storm, uh, an act of God, as well as an, an act of terror. And so utilities do need to be at the table, um, you know, communicating and sharing um, and in the and with smart grid, you know their capabilities. So utilities that have more capability that they didn't have before, or they'll have more capability maybe five years from now. That cha- that's a game changer in the way that in, in the services that they're able to offer, the way that they're able to communicate, which is critical in any in any disaster, is the ability to communicate. Um, so that becomes um, a paramount for a utility to to do that. And so at the end of the day, 
um, utilities, it's a multi-stakeholder uh, approach that needs to engage utilities. And if you really, and a lot of communities already do have uh, these types of plans uh, that engage not only utilities, their school systems, their hospitals, because if something happens, how do you manage all of that? What happens when the power goes, you saw it in New York, what happens when the power goes out in a hospital? What happens when the power goes out in, in a school? What happens if there's a shooter at a school? Um, you, know, you know, all of these are types of things that, need, that we need to res respond to, and utilities need to be at the forefront as part of that plan because everyone will be invoked. And as we saw in, in, in a big city like New York with Hurricane Sandy, we saw a city with over 8 million people brought to its knees and its institutions brought to its knees because of essentially um, the, the water surge and the loss of power. Excellent. I, um, I, I definitely, you know, think there's been a lot of, um, I don't know, a lot of good uh, discussion here that needs to happen, I think, more at a community level, but also more at a national level. And um, I know that the issue of commenting for the FCC uh, is very, uh, I mean, probably a lot of people haven't done that before. Um, but I, you know, I go, I go along definitely with, you know, Shay's point that communities first need to get their act together and understand what the issues are. But I think then the next step is, is to make comment. Now, I think the most, the more common, easiest way to do that is that the FCC has a website and I'm pretty sure the website has, you know, reasonably clear directions on when you've got to find the particular issue in the docket and, and all that rigmarole. But then, uh, when you get there, there'll, there'll be a place where you can add your commentary. And I think that, you know, whichever way the community decides to do it, whether they create sort of one document and get a bunch of signatures or what have you, but the bottom line is, you know, learn and understand how the FCC does its comment process. Because they, they, they gather comments on a lot of policy issues that are extremely important at the community level. So you want to understand, um, you know, where that facility is, where that resource is, uh, figure out how you're going to coordinate a community response, uh, timeline, deadline, which is guided, obviously, by the deadlines on how long the FCC is taking those comments. But then after, um, you know, after you have scoped that all out, you know, have your process in place and, and pull the trigger on it. Go out, comment, follow up, uh, make sure that people know what's going on in the progress of this particular, you know, this whole National Public Safety Network uh, project. And with that, we are pretty much at the, uh, at the end, of, end of our show. I want to thank both Shay and Todd because it's been extremely informative, and I will undoubtedly sometime have, have both of you guys back because I do want to talk more about uh, smart grid and the intersection between that and broadband and ultimately how communities of all types, rural, urban, uh, anything in between, you know, how they benefit from this technology. So, Shay, thank you again for being here, and good luck in your respective uh, businesses. I know you guys are out there, uh, you know, trying to make a go at, uh, you know, your respective um you know, your respective uh, company missions. So good luck with all of that. Thanks so much, Craig. Thank it's been a pleasure. Thank you, all righty. Thank you for having me. To our audience, thank you for, for listening in. Tomorrow, for all of you campaign junkies, we are going to be talking about 
broadband technology that played roles in the recent election, both at the national level and at the um, uh, local level, local races, and, and how this, you know, what does this say for the future of American politics and the electoral system as we integrate more and more technologies? So everyone, uh, talk to you again tomorrow. Have a great day today. Thank you for being here.